0: don't know this, then you're behind the times. The
1: only metric that matters is convenience.
0: Rules apply to you, suddenly you're an advertiser buying space. This is Social Minds, the UK's first dedicated social media marketing podcast, brought to you by Social Chain. I'm Theo.
2: And I'm Eve. And each week we'll be joined by a host of progressive minds to learn the unique and innovative ways that social media is being used around the world.
0: On this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest developments across social and what they mean for us all. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to get new episodes every week. This week on Social Minds.
1: It's becoming less and less about who you know, because
2: it's all about the algorithms. We were joined by Anya Giustozza, who is the head of digital marketing at Sony Music Entertainment and Psycho.
0: Yes, Anya spoke to us all about the digital disruption of music, the impact of streaming, and the role that social media now plays in the distribution and promotion of new artists.
1: Artists are no longer just, as I keep saying, like musicians. They now need to be a brand, like a lifestyle brand. All this and more,
2: coming up.
0: How has social changed the way that we market new artists and the discoverability of new artists?
1: Well, I think social media has changed everything. It's changed the whole music landscape. It's changed marketing. Um, It's definitely changed the music industry. I mean, the emphasis on, I guess, the kind of authenticity of the artist um is so much more exposed now that social media is kind of there's like there's so many touch points basically mm-hmm. to kind of access an artist so I think there's a lot of more emphasis on artists being real um I don't think the kind of a record label or the music industry can kind of create I guess manufactured pop artists anymore because if, if that is what you are you're going to get found out mm-hmm. um you know how much the music industry's changed in you know, the five and a half years that I've worked in it, it's been kind of crazy. You know, mm. literally the mm. industry's been, you know, turned on its head. Mm. Um, and yeah, social media's played a massive part in that. So,
0: I'm keen to know on that point as well. Have It seems to me that the music industry has sort of gone through this journey where they've probably very much per- changed their perception of digital and of social. Because yeah. I suppose if you're talking about the turn of the century and, you know, the early 2000s, you, you know, you only need to read a few articles from the time that it was very much seen as this whole sort of fear of, you know, piracy and everything that came with it. What what was that sort of defining point, do you think, where things sort of changed? They said, right, we can we can use this.
1: <laughs> well, I think in terms of where things change, I don't think there is like kind of one thing mm. that you can say this was the moment. But again, just from my experience of having worked in the industry for five and a half years, I mean, Spotify and streaming changed everything Um, because I think, you know, obviously in the music industry, there are lots of independent labels, independent artists, but then there are three major labels, Mm -hmm. Sony, Warner and Universal, and they've kind of essentially been able to call the shots. Um, And I work for a major, you know, and I don't think kind of anyone that works in a major would would kind of dispute that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, you know, when Spotify kind of came in, I think in all honesty, probably at the start, people didn't take it. Not seriously, because obviously you take everything seriously mm-hmm. um, when a kind of a new player kind of, you know, steps into the ring. But I think the kind of the uptake of streaming, it, you know, it happened so quickly and you couldn't ignore it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think we had to kind of rethink everything when streaming started to kind of become, you know, a real, you know, player in the game. Obviously mm-hmm. Spotify kind of leading the charge and then, you know, following with Apple Music and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's changed everything. I don't think there is such such thing as like a traditional marketeer anymore in the music industry you'll see it can be a bit of an old boys kind of club as well you know a lot of people mm-hmm. that work in the music industry particularly major labels have been there for 20 30 years mm-hmm. um, but now there's a new school that's come in and they have to take that new school seriously because there are things that they still kind of maybe don't understand um, that they've had to learn um, so I think yeah it's changing the structure of how labels work I think mm-hmm. labels have to be an entirely different entity now than just kind of I guess a, a record labels they have to be entertainment companies and so I think that changes the structure of how everything works within a label and the type of people that you hire and the type of artists that you kind of you sign and yeah I think it's a it's a whole new game really.
2: It's not just album sales anymore is it? It used to be like you'd decide who gets in the charts from how many albums that they sold or you'd hear something on the radio and then and then you'd go and buy their CD but like now how much do you think album sales contribute to their overall like chart rating? If it was like a percentage versus sales and streaming, probably
1: couldn't give you a percentage. I mean, there's lots of people that think that the traditional album is dead. Mm. I don't necessarily believe that, but obviously you can, you only have to look at the kind of official charts to see that yeah. album no, sales. I think super
2: fans will still go and yeah, buy absolutely. like the hard copy mm. of someone mm. they really admire. Yeah,
1: I mean, people are still selling you know millions of albums, but. It's specific, it's, you know, it's, it's big artists that are doing that. Yeah. Um, and the charts don't really kind of exist in a traditional way anymore. From a music industry record label perspective, obviously the charts are really important. Mm. A number one album is important. A number one single is important, mm. but mm. actually that's not how success is defined anymore. It no. used to be very linear, but now you d- you could, you could have a top 10 hit single Maybe never get into the top five, never get a number one, but you could outstream somebody that's had a number one single that was there for a week and then drop down the charts. Mm. Um, it's about the long game now, um, and so that's why I guess the way that artists are releasing music as well has totally changed. It's not about releasing the big single, doing the big build up, doing a big marketing campaign around one single, mm. hoping to get to number one, and then being like, "Yes, we've we've had success, we got to number one." Mm. It's about releasing, having a, like a consistent music release strategy mm. to, mm. guess, grow your audience, give, give your fans something to kind of engage with, mm. excite them, give them content alongside that music and build up your streams. Because yeah. mm. if you've released one song that got you to number one, that might have 50 million streams, but you've, re- but then there's somebody else that's kind of a new artist as well, but, they, but they've released 15, 20 songs. Mm. And then they've got their whole kind of catalogue has Hundred million streams, mm-hmm. like who's winning? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it
2: just it changes everything. Um, yeah, kind of thinking about. Question, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I just noticed the other day. know Ariana Grande is bringing out a new album. Yeah. Uh, very soon. And I just look at the way that she's doing it on Twitter, and she's probably got a team of people and, like, strategies in no, place. she does it herself. I, do you well, know what? I, I, that's a good thing, yeah. because I was sort of looking at it cynically and thinking, oh, well, people have probably advised her to do this. Well, she definitely gets, but it comes across yeah. so, like, naturally. It's like little teasers, like, she's replying to everyone. Well, she definitely gets help, but yeah. I think you only have to see what's happening kind of
1: culturally to realise that it's organic, because I was talking to someone about this yesterday, so... She only just released an album, what, six yeah, months ago? I know, ago, she's already
2: just like on And it again. she's releasing a
1: new album in a couple of, what is it, a couple of days, I think.
2: Yeah. Um, called Thank Friday. You, Thank You
1: Next. Mm. And that whole, what well, that single obviously was massively mm. successful. It was mm. number one in the US, Billboard charts, number one in the UK. Mm. But that Thank You Next all came from, off the back of, obviously, she broke up with her, what's his name? What's his name? Pete. Yeah, got, yeah, Pete yeah, Davidson, yeah. the guy from uh, SNL. Yeah. And Thank You Next Everywhere. came from <laughs> when they broke up. He kind of did, because he's on SNL, he did a bit of like, a he kind of referenced the breakup in a monologue yeah. on uh, Saturday Night Live. Mm, and mm. then kind of dissing her, kind of not, but, you know, referencing the breakup. And then she tweeted, Thank You Next. Um, because in reference to that, like kind of as a bit of a backhand, you know, yeah. like I'm over this, I'm done. And then that then just like caught fire. And then she was like, okay, there's an idea idea there. Mm. So it wasn't like, the song didn't come Mm -hmm. first. And then she was like, okay, let's market it like this. It was actually like the moment that happened. And then that moment and the fact that, I guess she's such a big celebrity now and her breakups are like, you know, all over the press. That moment then has then spawned a new album, which yeah. is is doing incredibly is well. A video for, best, for that song
2: first. as well. It felt like after after it dropped, all the headlines were covering was how many YouTube views it was getting. Mm. Like mm. It, it, it literally broke she the record broke, yeah, in one broke, day, broke, and, and that's what everyone was, was focusing record. on.
0: I well, you see, like we, we were talking about it as well, stuff like Despacito which became one of the mm. biggest songs of. It was last year, wasn't it? Twenty eighteen or twenty seventeen?
2: I think it was. It was
1: released in twenty seventeen, but I think the success continued through to 2018. Mm. So yeah, it was huge. I'm most viewed, most viewed YouTube video how much, time. How much of that,
0: I suppose, then as a label, can you control? Because it seems like some songs which have emerged on social and some of the, the work that's been, you know, gone on behind the doors and, and organically, it's just become like a phenomena in itself. It just sort of comes out of nowhere, it yeah. seems like.
1: I mean, I think there are, there are certainly kind of like trends mm-hmm. that like, I guess, you know, there are certain patterns and they follow certain trends. And I think obviously that kind of fit into, that kind of kicked off like the Spang, the Spanglish trend mm. of like kind of Latin artists, mm-hmm. I guess, breaking through to the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that kind of kicked it off. And then there was a lot of kind of Spanglish, I guess, like collaboration art, like with kind of, was it J Balvin, like Bad Bunny? Mm-hmm. There's lots of those type of artists. Um, Maluma, like artists that are doing huge things kind of internationally now where before they were just kind of South American stars mm, mm. Um, or like stars in Latin America. Um, so there are definitely kind of people that are, are like at the kind of the beginning of the trend. And I think, yeah, that was Finding just the right, time it to was get involved. the right time, the right song, the right artists. Obviously, Justin Bieber was kind of coming off the back of, you know, a huge like resurgence or like, you know, a big comeback in his career. And mm. Mm. yeah, it was, yeah, it, it was just kind of like the perfect alchemy, the, the perfect moment. I'm
2: Curious. Um, how much do you, do you put like resources into trying to influence or like boost YouTube views and things like that when you've got a, an artist that you really want to get um, into the mainstream? Um,
1: well, Yes, in a a way, but I mean, it's nothing, I don't think it's necessarily out of the ordinary. Like, when we're releasing a single or an album, we will, obviously, we run digital advertising spend. And it obviously kind of makes sense that we, we drive people to view YouTube videos. Okay. I guess it depends on the artist. Um sometimes driving people to YouTube is a good awareness thing as opposed to tr- you're trying to necessarily convert a sale yeah. or a stream. Mm-hmm. It's about kind of I guess, you know, watching one video for an artist and being like, okay, maybe I'll subscribe or maybe I'll watch another video and mm-hmm. trying to kind of I guess, mm-hmm. you know, convert someone to potentially being a fan of that artist. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so we d- we do, um but we obviously work really closely with our partners like You know, we work on kind of, you know, global campaigns with YouTube um, Mm -hmm. and with Vivo as well to kind of make sure that we're getting, you know, good promotion for our videos or, you know, thinking about what kind of, um, you know, bespoke content that we can create for that platform. So, I mean, YouTube's... Massively,
0: massively important. I think.
2: You think it's about we get, so many artists that were just found yeah, on YouTube, by YouTube
0: Yeah, YouTube, before yeah.
2: they even got signed. I mean,
0: Dua Lipa is, is a big one, big channel. example, isn't yeah. she? And I think
1: Justin, Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber, it
2: came was usher, yeah. as well, usher, yeah. phantom,
1: choice, like, Van as well is another example, yeah, yeah, Shawn yeah. Mendes. Um, but I think I think it's interesting because obviously there are a lot of musicians that kind of break through YouTube, mm. um, and obviously you know YouTube as a space. You know, it's, it's you know, the vloggers, the influencers, it's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the opportunities are kind of are vast and mm-hmm. endless for people that are, you know, doing it right and who are kind of, I guess, gaining audiences on those platforms. But I do think there's still the question of whether if Dewar and Shawn Mendes and Justin Bieber or whatever had just, you know, stayed being YouTube stars, mm-hmm. I don't know whether or not they would have the success that they're seeing no. now. I was just going think... to ask
2: if it's like a threat to labels that these artists are managing to, just because you can create, anyone can create a YouTube channel, even an Instagram account and post videos on that and, and build up a fan base that way. But you're saying that without the label coming in later, they wouldn't have gotten as big as um, um, I mean, I, on their own. I can kind only kind cool. of, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> only like, yeah. Cool, yeah. But I mean, I think YouTube
1: is obviously a huge blessing for the industry in terms of, well, finding, ta- finding talent, mm. um, you know, gaining fans, uh, engaging audiences. Um, but I do think, and I don't necessarily, I don't think a major label is necessarily the answer, but I do think in terms of like taking those artists to the next level, mm. um, putting a team around them of amazing a mm. incredible marketing, mm. giving them the opportunity to, I guess, work with other credible artists. I think that is a huge, that's a kind of a huge reason why they are where they're at. Mm. Dua Lipa, for example, she signed to Warner, but a big part of their strategy for her when they were kind of, when they signed her and when they were launching her was collaborations with other artists, um, other big artists as well. And which obviously kind of, you know, helped get her chart success. Mm. And then I guess kind of get her to, you know, the star status she is now. Would she have had the kind of, uh, would she have been able to kind of secure those collaborations those features without the backing of a major label Mm. i don't know Mm. would would they have taken her seriously if she was just a youtube a youtube singer Mm. i'm not sure Mm. i don't know the answer to that but i mean my thought is is no Mm. um because obviously we know that there's there's a lot of like kind of youtubers and influencers out there that have you know some of the biggest subscribed channels on youtube and they all have kind of well not all of them but some of them have ambitions to be music stars. Like I I was, I was referenced like KSI, for example, like he, you know, drops all these like rap diss tracks or whatever. They get millions and millions of views. Some, some more than kind of artists that are signed to major labels. And, Mm -hmm. but does that necessarily mean that the industry take him seriously and that he gets chart success? No, no. You don't consider
0: him an artist, do you? He's still an influencer. Yeah, he's still an influencer. And I think
1: like, it's great that he's like, he's got the platform to be able to pursue a passion of music. Mm. And I know, I think he did sign with a major label, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to get to the the kind of the star status of someone like you or Shawn Mendes or whatever. So I think you can have success without a major label, but I still think there is something to be said to, you know, being some artists, they just, they want to make money. Mm -hmm. They want to have Mm -hmm. fans. They want to tour. And I think you can do all of that as an influencer without a major label, but to have the kind of the respect potentially of the industry of your peers, winning awards, mm-hmm. um, you know, being taken seriously, I think that's something different.
0: Yeah. I suppose, in a way, you could liken it to uh, to, to punk. I mean, the Sex Pistols, the Clash, and all of those, they all eventually signed with major labels and, yeah. and, and labels that become major labels and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. It, it strikes me as well that uh, there seems to be, a, you know, a recent history of the music industry working very closely with these social platforms, and there's a lot of new departments that have sprung up as a result of that. I mean, especially last year, um, you know, you couldn't move in the news for seeing Facebook uh, signing blanket licensing deals with major labels and, uh, you know, that like crossing over to Instagram. So now I suppose on stories, you've got like uh, you can you can put music onto any yeah. story and on Facebook and stuff. Yeah, Eve's not got the feature yet. It's yeah. weird. <laughs> it it. Is. I'm, I'm keen to know the sort of impact of that and how. You know, from from both po- po- points of view, because it, obviously it's made the whole content experience richer, mm-hmm. but I suppose, like you said, it's another channel for discoverability yeah. in a way. Do you think, what what did the music industry that you know of ha- have in mind when they were sort of talking about these deals? Because
1: everything kind of has its place and its role and everything complements each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Instagram stories obviously is, you know, it's totally usurped Snapchat and, you know, they kind of, it's doing everything that every other kind of platform is doing and it's doing it well. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I think that it's a threat to like a Spotify or an Apple Music. Yet no, um, because I think that they do what they do better than anybody else does. Mm-hmm. But I think that, for example, a, like a Spotify and Apple, who obviously trying to break into the content space, um, haven't quite achieved it in the way that they want to yet. I mm-hmm. think everything kind of has its role, and I think you know, those platforms they should focus. They, well, I think they they are focusing on what they do well, and obviously Instagram is is hugely kind of important to us in terms of like engaging and growing audiences. And we, we work super closely with them on, uh, global campaigns and stuff. I just, um, did a campaign with Instagram, um, with little mix. Um, so, uh, Instagram have kind of launched a feature, which maybe you haven't seen, but you might have seen <laughs> on, um, on stories where there's kind of branded, uh, like kind of, AI filters, yeah. Uh. Um, where basically, I think Kylie Jenner did one for her like lip kits, where yeah, you can yeah. kind of pick your lipsticks. And we did one with Little Mix, um, where you could kind of like, you know, you put their put kind of a, a branded Little Mix filter mm. on your content, and then it gets kind of shared with all your audience. And then you can, you know, it's kind of branded Little Mix, and then you know, it kind of drives you to go and look at their look at their feed and follow them and stuff like that. So, you know, there's huge benefits of kind of working really closely with um, with our partners on kind of, I guess music activations, Mm. but ultimately we know it's not the the kind of the objective of that isn't to drive streams, but Mm. it's for awareness. Mm. It's for engagement. And then we know that all of that stuff is going to benefit us when we do Ask our fans to stream our music and buy our albums. Yeah, um, just Facebook me just wants to do everything. N- knowing, yeah.
0: knowing Facebook, they will. If there's one platform that has the audacity to say, you know, we're going to be YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, and Facebook and Instagram wrapped up in one, it mm. seems like.
2: I think it would be so in interesting yeah. that when they started incorporating music, especially like um, like licensed music into like their their content capabilities, because we've like had. Youtubers and like video creators always having to use um, like stock tracks, yeah, yeah, to put over all their content. And you're right, I think the licensed music does make it so much richer. Mm. But then on the other hand, we've got the sort of wave of sound off watching videos without sound, and Mm. that's how most people spend their time because they're on the go. Mm. So I wonder, like, do you think they'll be able to break away from that and actually change people's perceptions into using music in social? I think people's perceptions are
1: changing. Maybe not with Facebook. So I was in a, had a, some uh, an agency presented to us the other day and so there was a quote, I think from Facebook um, that it was along the lines of like, if we don't come up with the next, if we don't come up with the thing that's going to kill Facebook, then we failed. Mm. Like, I think it's about constantly evolving. Like in terms of like sound on listening, for example, I know it's, it's really low. I think it's really low on Facebook as a platform, mm. but it's, getting much higher on instagram stories Mm. and obviously facebook own instagram and i think it's about it's about changing the way people use i guess use technology use social media and whilst it may not necessarily be evolving on facebook it's definitely evolving on in instagram and like sound on listening has increased i think kind of you know 20 30 percent or something like that so i think it's just it's about finding the right way to kind of i guess target you, the consumers and the users mm-hmm. so that they they want to kind of you know listen with sound on yeah. because it's beneficial to the experience which i guess is why they're adding you know instagram are adding so many kind of i guess music
2: yeah. plug on functionalities it just make yeah. all the difference too, with any advert yeah. be it on social or anywhere else music when done well yeah. makes uh, such a uh, impact
0: well well exactly yeah we we, we did a um, a sort of content series that you obviously contributed to and yeah, and I suppose one of the things that we found across these uh, several articles that we put out was how important music is on, you know, for the psychological triggers mm-hmm. that it gets, you know, whether that's mm-hmm. nostalgia, whether that's, you know, the emotion you feel with these Ariana Grande, um, you know, her music. Yeah. It, it's So it strikes me that last year is when the colour really got injected into sort of social and content and it you know we say rich but it's become so much more colorful hasn't it so much more i think there must be like a change
2: in perception from what i've noticed not just from the user perspective but from artist perspective as well because it was in it was in your um series that you said brands are always going to want to want to have like good music for their adverts Mm. and for their campaigns Mm. um because they know it does add to the experience but there was what you found about artists in the past not wanting to sell out by yes, yes. Uh, appearing to just, you know, take money from a brand and, you know, gets rid of the sort of grittiness, like yeah, alth- yeah. authenticity of their music yeah. by saying, okay, let's uh, go work with this corporate yeah. company. Well, I think I think artists, and I kind of mentioned this before, is I
1: don't think that manufactured artists will survive in the kind of ecosystem of the music industry and social, with social media nowadays. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think... Artists have to—they have to give a shit now. Yeah. And you know, their their social media was before. They kind of might have been more inclined to allow their label to kind of control their socials. Mm. They they don't want to do that anymore because it's it's too important. Yeah. Even for things like th- for for brand endorsements, which obviously is important in terms of making money and I guess yeah, developing kind of you know you know who you are as an artist mm. with the kind of the right associations, mm. but also mm. just in terms of. Everybody, even with brands, I think the brand kind of thing is an interesting conversation because it's the same with artists. Like if you're a musician or an artist nowadays and all you do is sing and do t- like, you know, sing, release records, go on tour, it's not enough anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you have mm-hmm. to stand for something. You have to have something to say. You have to have a voice mm-hmm. outside of just the music industry. Mm-hmm. And that's, it. that's why I think same with brands like, you know, Adidas or Nike, it's not just about selling mm-hmm. a hoodie anymore. No. It's about, you know, what does the brand stand for? Mm. What are we trying to say? Like, mm. you know, what's our ethos? Uh, what is the culture of this of this kind of company? Mm. And it's more than, it's like selling, it's about selling a lifestyle. It's not about selling, you know, a pair of trainers or, yeah. or a hoodie. And it's the same for artists. I think they're not just selling a song anymore. No. It's about, you know, everything else that they're talking about. And, you know, do they know are they kind of culturally connected um, are they talking about the kind of the you know the, the key topics that everybody else is talking about yeah. are they kind of integrating that into their music into so their message so relevant to like yeah. their culture That's as well so like, yeah. the yeah. first person yeah. that comes
2: to mind is Storms. I think he does it so, yeah. so well but you've seen examples of other artists that you think mm.
0: yeah I, I, it, well it, 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 this is always an interesting debate and I think it is that sort of Has it become a matter of association? You know, I interact with said brand and said artist. Therefore, you know, it's that sort of. I suppose you wouldn't align yourself with an artist like, you know, talk about legacy artists now. But this is one for me. Like I used to be a big Morrissey fan, and now because of his (laughs) massive divisive political, I'm just absolutely. Yeah, You know,
1: it's not just about the music anymore,
2: is it? Not at all. Not at all. So we we judged um, like. Instagram influencers in the same capacity so of course like massive artists are going to have just as much scrutiny if not
1: more so but I think in terms of I guess brand associations um, it's about I think you know music fashion you know it falls into lifestyle I think it falls into lifestyle Mm. like and that's why you know yeah brands want to stand for more than just you know what they're trying to sell artists want to stand for more than what they you know what they're singing about yeah. so i think it's about i think it's really important that it's not just about the money anymore in terms of oh well, i'll do an endorsement deal with you because you're going to give me half a million pounds i think it's about finding someone who i guess whose kind of message is in line with yours yeah. mm-hmm. because then it's beneficial for for both of you yeah
2: um, but it's not just um about marketing them because i guess all those things are really important when the artist is already big and to keep um you know marketing themselves but when you actually search for a new artist are these the kind of things that you're already looking for what do you mean like having um an engaged audience you know having an authentic message 100 percent. i think having that lifestyle like knowing their package
1: yeah i mean like i said i think and i think brands do the same because a lot of big brands nowadays they're not looking they're not looking for established artists to be the face of their brand they're looking for like you know who's on the rise and yeah. and that you know those people have to you know have this you know their brand values their message needs to be in line with theirs but it's not necessarily about yeah going to drake and trying to do you know a deal with nikes they're going to kind of the, the unknown artists because yeah. you know, they want to be on the cutting edge as well yeah. but i think yeah i think artists need to be more than just good singers nowadays i think you need like a triple threat you need someone that's you know got an incredible personality that you know knows what they you know knows what they stand for um can you know speak well can represent themselves well is really socially savvy and cares about their fans wants to communicate with their fans and it's all and is also an incredible artist i Mm. think because it is so hard to break artists nowadays like i said i think you know i think two artists a year in the uk actually like break Mm. and i think break is like you know it it's kind of, you know, it can, I don't know what exactly that means, because I guess success can be judged in many ways. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. in terms of, I guess, traditional chart success, dreaming success. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you need artists that are the full package, because I don't think it's enough to be just one. No. Um, so it's definitely important.
0: It's interesting you're saying it, if you say only a few artists break a year, because I can very much see that. And I feel like in my head, I can pinpoint the, the, the point in time where you've gone from, you know, there would be 20 artists who are massive to talking about 10 Or five or or two, like you say, newcomers that everybody knows about, you know, aside from like the the artists who are already big, like each year, it's definitely, it's slowing down, isn't it? I'm interested, we've we've sort of touched on it, and how do legacy artists sort of see this? What's their perception of it all? You know, what what do they (laughs) see? You're not a real musician. Exactly, yeah. Because it seems like there's a big... Disparity maybe between how they use social and how which which naturally no, it's not in like the real world I suppose I,
1: I agree with that and it's again I was talking to someone about this um, like in a lot of labels um, the catalogue artists actually essentially prop up the rest of the, the label mm. the rest of the labels because they sell so much music sure, and they sure. actually kind of because obviously you know major labels have to sign a lot and spend a lot of money to potentially they have to sign fifteen artists to potentially break. One, mm. which it might not even be that. So, l- legacy is different. I'd say because I think you have to think about the audience that you're marketing mm. to. Mm. So, I think it's a slightly different approach. Like, I was thinking, like Bob Dylan, for example. So he's a Sony legacy artist. I mean, would you? Whilst you might want to like follow an official Bob Dylan Instagram account because mm. like there's incredible pictures, you know, from from kind of the decades that he's been an active artist. But would you want him kind of like, you know? on Instagram stories, you, pro- you probably yeah. wouldn't. I think there's still oh, kind I'd like of... I'd that. I love
2: like, <laughs> no, amazing. Above, yeah.
1: <laughs> But I think, you know, there is still, with the kind of the older legacy artists, there is still that kind of slight kind of, you know, mystery and intrigue mm-hmm. because obviously they didn't kind of, you know, break through when social media was yeah. was a thing and you could know everything about an artist. Like, you knew what they looked like when they woke up in the morning, yeah. you knew what they ate for breakfast. I, th- I, th- I think it works slightly differently. Um, and, yeah, I just think I think you have to be careful when it comes to, to things like that mm-hmm. um, by trying to kind of, um, I guess, take a legacy artist and bring them, you know, into tw- into 2019 in the same way that like a Justin Bieber, you know, would, would operate in, from yeah. a kind of marketing perspective. I always think this is a personal opinion, but like Madonna, for example, mm-hmm. I feel like she's trying so hard to still be relevant in 2019. And I think, you know, she... I, she, you know, like in terms of, you know, some of the music that she puts out, it's just so far removed from, you know, the kind of incredible stuff mm. that she was doing like in the 80s and 90s. And I'm sure for like her, some of her fans, they love it, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that it's been done in the right way. Yeah. But yeah. I, I understand and I kind of, you know, I kind of applaud artists that maybe are kind of more legacy artists mm. that work, that that try and kind of stay relevant. But I do think is a kind of a right way to do it and I sometimes I think you know people like Madonna go too far with it.
0: It's um, almost like she's being influenced by culture rather than influencing yeah, culture it's that sort of Madonna Bowie she, yeah, debate I she suppose.
1: Yeah she was influencing culture you know yes. everybody wanted to look like her you know back in the like a virgin days with yeah. the, uh, the gloves and the, the you know the beads and all that stuff yeah. mm. she was she was influencing culture and now it feels like she's lost the essence of who she was but you know everyone has the right to evolve and change and yeah. um, it's just, I guess, in terms of authenticity. Does it feel authentic? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it does.
2: No. Do you think it's still possible to get to, like, legacy artist level now then? If socials like, because when you think about legacy artists, like the big ones, they always seem so far removed from us because we didn't have that immediate yeah. touch point with them. And sort of because of that, they were, like, put on a pedestal. They get, like, more celebrity yeah, status yeah. in a way. You kind of get that vibe. And it's like, is that not possible anymore because they're so accessible? I think it's just different.
1: I think the the landscape is different. I think the closest things that we've got to that now in terms of the superstar artists but that aren't necessarily like really social media savvy, I think Adele yeah, and mm. Ed Sheeran mm. are probably just in terms of yeah. like global... Adele just doesn't bother with it, does yeah. It? she? Yeah, and, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, if Amy, if Amy Winehouse was still alive, I don't think she would... I, I think she would be the same. Mm. I can't yeah. imagine that she would be, you know you know plastering her life all over social media yeah. i don't know obviously i don't know but i think but the, i think they are they're the exception they're not the rule yeah cuz you know it's it, it you you need to be where the fans are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like i said you're competing for the attention of people that are fickle are uh, kind of have a short attention span because there are so many other things trying to pull them in different directions like do you want to spend an hour playing Fortnite? Do you want to watch, you know, two hours of Netflix? Mm, Do you mm. want to go and like watch, you know, makeup tutorials on YouTube? Like you're competing for the attention, and if you're not in the game, um, and in that space, and in their faces, then you can easily be forgotten. And it's mm. sad, it's kind of sad to say it, but it it's kind of the it's reality. Brutal honesty, uh-huh. isn't it? Not yeah. everyone
2: can be in that like one yeah. percent. Yeah. I think that's
0: so such a such a true point as well because we often talk about attention it it, it can only ever be in two places but like you've just said it's Fortnite, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's, so it's music, it's it's, yeah. it's TV, it's it's absolutely everything yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I think there's so many learnings for for brands as well. So, you know, focus in terms of your strategy as a music marketers, how do you hone in on that attention? How do you capture that attention and keep it I suppose for yeah. something for you know, how does a song that maybe lasts three minutes long live outside of that in every other way? On
1: um, Well, I don't necessarily think it's just about the music anymore. And I think this is a lesson for record labels. I think the music industry and record labels need to now start acting more like entertainment companies. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think artists are no longer just, as I keep saying, like musicians. Mm-hmm. They now need to be a brand, like a lifestyle brand. Mm-hmm. And so I think... That's how labels need to think and be evolving. Um, so I kind of was st- saying, for example, like, you know, there is a lot of artists that are breaking into the podcast space, like mm-hmm. George Ezra's podcast is hugely course, successful. Yeah. Yeah. Jesse Ware does kind of a, a, foo- a foodie kind of podcast because, you know, podcasts are getting so popular. It mm-hmm. makes sense to kind of, you know, you know, they're not singing on their podcasts. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lifestyle mm-hmm. thing. But in terms of like consciousness of knowing, of kind of, you know, having multiple touch points to that artist, it makes sense. Like Acton Bronson um, has his like a food. He's a on food, Vice, isn't he? Yeah, he does vice, the whole Munchies like, thing. Yeah, Munchies yeah. thing. Um, again, that's quite far removed from his, like, you know, his music career. But it's kind of, you know, in terms of brand association, you're like, oh, okay, cool. I know that he does, he does that. And it's, mm. and from the perspective of uh, record labels being more like entertainment kind of companies as well, the kind of whole merch thing is such a big space now. A mm. um, good example is uh, uh, a group called uh, Brockhampton. Do you know if you know, know them? No. They're kind of a bit, they're no, yeah. like, a, like a rap collective. Okay. Um, and they had a number one album in the US. Kind of they Kind of come from nowhere, mm. um, but they got an albu- a number one album because they bundled all their music with merch. Because mm. you know all these brands like Supreme and Palace do these like exclusive merch drops, mm. which again is mm. another is another thing that's you know a big cultural phenomenon. Like mm. you know streetwear brands doing these kind of exclusive, hard to get, um, you know you know one off merch drops, mm. and now that's kind of becoming a big part of music strategy as well because people want exclusive merch because you buy into the lifestyle, and the look of your artist. And now that's a way to sell music. Sure, so it's sure. about creating all these multiple touch points, whether it is an exclusive merch that you sell with your album or every time you drop a single like Ariana, you release a new piece of merch. Um, or you have a podcast series or you have a you know a YouTube series because it's about being in the game and mm-hmm. not just you know yeah. having the one touch point, go and stream my music. It's like, go and check out my merch, go and listen to my podcast. I think that's how artists need to think and that's how record labels need to think as well.
2: Yeah, more of an integrated approach. Yeah.
0: It's going back a while, but th- this conversation just reminds me of 17-year-old self listening to Odd Future, yeah. and I, I honestly credit them with like the birth of like the five-panel hat and <laughs> all of that. And you know, yeah. it's, it's, it is so crazy. It's like yeah, it's like you Tyler, the
1: creator, with the golf like you know the golf streetwear. Yeah, and yeah, they've they were definitely like pioneers, I think, and Frank Ocean as well. And yeah,
0: do you think this could have only been a product of Social media and everything that's come with that, do you think if we would have carried on the way we were? I know that's a that's a big loaded question, isn't it? If we were
1: Yeah. It's hard. It's because you know, it's just become the norm now, hasn't it? Mm, mm. Um, I guess you kind of, you know, you kind of forget that when you were 15 years old, you used to spend your weekends, you know, on your local high street, you know, browsing the shops. You don't do that anymore. You know, no. it's ASOS, you you know, quick purchases. And, you know, as I kind of said before, I think it's a blessing and a curse for the music industry because mm-hmm. it is so much more difficult to get people's attention and break artists mm. and a kind of a, an establish like a foothold uh, for an artist that's going to, you know, be releasing music for kind of 20 years to come yeah
2: um, I'm curious what advice would you have to give for any uh, aspiring artists how to help themselves on a, on social or using digital means I know a lot of people say this and it's a very cliched but I do
1: think it is about authenticity because mm. I think if you're trying to mimic another artist or you know you're really overthinking everything and you know you're trying to get your you know your Instagram feed to look a certain way um, I think you'll come unstuck. Mm. Um, I think it is about kind of, you know, finding out what you're really passionate about. Um, You know, what is your kind of, what's your message? What do you want to talk about? You know, make sure that you're responding to them, I think, because getting those, you know, getting those early adopters um, and kind of nurturing them and turning them into super fans Mm. and bringing them on your journey Mm. from the start is so valuable.
2: It's such a good opportunity. I feel like back in the day when it used to be like, you'd only see them like when you were queuing up for a concert or maybe yeah. like meetups like mm, book signings or something mm. and you'd have to like, you'd be lucky if you held out yeah. their hand and they and they walk past you yeah. but now it's like you can tweet yeah, them.
0: Accessible, yeah. You know, if you
2: get artists like Ariana who literally tries to reply to as many people yeah. as she can and she'll do it every single mm. night, that is dedication. It's the reason that our fans yeah. love her so much. But
0: That's I feel cool. as well, as, as fans, have we come to expect more? You know, we, I, I feel like Definitely millennials and Gen Z and, and whatever, just young people in general, now we've almost got this God given right to have access to mm. said artists, our yeah. celebrities, our brands, our oh, everything. Yeah, we course. need to know about everything. Yeah. And they can't provide that with sort of
2: you know? <laughs> yeah it's kind a of uh, all
1: right it, then. Yeah. It's a it's a catch-22 isn't it but I think you know if you want to be an artist and you some some artists don't have the ambition to be an Ariana Grande they don't mm-hmm. want to be a global superstar they just want to focus on their craft yeah and if they're lucky enough to be able to do that and you know be able to you know have money in the bank and put food on the table and, and just do what they love then great but mm-hmm. if you have ambitions to be a global superstar then I guess you're kind of you know you're kind of like signing a deal with the devil a bit because you know you you, well then there are expectations put on you Mm. from fans if you want them to buy your music and you know stream you and come to your gigs then you have to make the sacrifice you have to be able to kind of you know make the sacrifice but i still think in the age of social media i still think there is nothing more valuable than word of mouth Mm. like Mm. i was thinking for example for example now on instagram you get so many ads, you know, for like different mm. clothing companies mm. and this, that and the other. But there's so many stuff, so, so much of it's dodgy. And you yeah. know that if you order it, you know, it's going to come from China, be awful quality. Yeah, <laughs> but, and yeah. I think yeah. but if, you're, if a friend tells you, I ordered like, I ordered this, that you can trust this brand mm. it's like, you should go and check it out. Mm. You're going to believe them more than you are potentially an ad on Instagram. But oh, like, yeah. I still think the value of advocacy and having somebody tell you, you should check out this artist they're you know, they're sick is super valuable so Mm -hmm. I think for an artist to kind of forge that connection with a fan is is invaluable
2: I'd actually that's argue true. that some um, social media features actually aid word of mouth I don't, I don't know if you'll call it like word of mouth if it's conversation not spoken but say like um, Instagram stories allows you to share songs from Spotify now mm. so yeah. if I'll see it on if I'm mm. watching my friends stories and they've shared what they're listening to if I like I'm chummy with them I'm probably gonna start yeah. out the yeah, song Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And it sort of spreads that way and make it like shareable completely yeah.
0: I suppose that's always happened hasn't it you've always sort of like oh you know lent your friends CDs or records and stuff mm, and so yeah. listen to this you got to listen to this oh, it's like yeah it. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's It's. I suppose it's become so much easier yeah. um I'm interested to know I know again another loaded question but sort of uh, something to end on the music industry five years from now with regards to you know digital disruption social media Spotify Facebook your prediction as it were
1: <laughs> what where the industry's going to be in five years yes yeah. mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, it's a very difficult question. You're still going to care about radio? Well, <laughs> who knows? I mean, radio might, I think radio will potentially take a different form. Um, it won't necessarily be the kind of traditional radio as we know it today, but I think it will still have an, its importance because of the human element of it. Mm. Just to kind of maybe come back to your question a bit, I don't know where it's going to be. Um, but I think what the music industry has learned in terms of, I guess, what's happened over the past five years is that they need to work with the platforms, not against them, mm. um, and be totally open. Um, have really kind of you know close relationships, strong connections, because you know things are going to happen. The industry is going to move the way it's moving. You know, streaming is going to go how it's going, I- irrespective of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we were not willing to move with it, then there'll be people that will come in that are willing to, or the you know, all the Spotify's and the Apple Music's will become the record labels. Yeah. So I think it's about you know, it's about kind of moving with with times and. I guess, adapting our strategies based on that, as opposed Mm. to thinking that we know better and that, well, you know, there's power in numbers. You know, we have the money, we've got the the contacts because it's not necessarily going to be about that. And I think Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, for example, it's becoming less and less about who you know, Mm. because Mm. it's all about the algorithms. Mm. Uh, New Music Friday, which is a, you know, the kind of New Music Friday playlists around the world on Spotify are so influential in terms of driving those kind of first weeks, first weeks worth of streams mm-hmm. or kind of, I guess, predicting what the hits going to be, you know, if you're on top five on a new music Friday, you know, that means that, you know, Spotify, you know, think that, you know, you've got a hit and yeah. people should, you know, listen. Um, and it, it drives, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of streams, but Slowly but surely, the playlists are moving away from being editorial based on, you know, labels going in for meetings with the editorial kind of person at Spotify and saying, you need to take this artist seriously or, you know, here's mm-hmm. yeah. next big record from Drake or whatever, you know, yeah. put this at the top of your playlist. It's all going to be customised based on what you're listening to. Yeah. So your New Music Friday will be different to my New Music Friday. So there's not going to be, you know, like a top one that everyone's going to mm. listen to. It's going to be dependent on who you've been streaming organically. So I think, again, how... How artists engage with their fans drive them to stream their music organically is going to make a huge difference because mm-hmm. then it will mean that if you're engaged with that artist on that platform, that you'll be served their music and it won't yeah. be hidden, yeah. you know, in, in another playlist. We're all back so, down yeah. to the user making the yeah. decisions. Same with, Same with Instagram, with you know, feeds being algorithmic now. Mm. Same with YouTube in terms of how they serve you video content. Mm. Um, so I think. The, the emphasis is as is, well is, obviously it's on it's always on the record label but it's on the artist as well yeah. to kind of really be driving it themselves
2: um, everything's all... recommended for you
0: yeah i have for one I'm glad I've, I've discovered so many artists through that way i'm, I'm gonna wrap it up on a final final question just mm-hmm. quick we can't have one of the world's uh representative of one of the world's biggest record labels on the podcast without asking you the first cd you ever brought
1: oh <laughs> that is a very good question I think it was probably Spice Girls. Amazing. Strong. Yeah. Strong. yeah, Amazing think, choice. Yeah, Spice Girls were the artist that, the first artist that I was ever a super fan of. Probably the, probably the only. And so I guess for me, that's like the equivalent of like, you know, the crazy One Direction, Bieber, <laughs> <Yeah>. fans. <laughs> that was, I guess, without social media, but that was me. I had the posters all over my walls. Yeah. I had the, I had Spice World, the movie. I had oh, yes. every CD. So i a great, great yeah, <laughs> It's my first ever tour and I'm actually going to the the reunion tour. Oh, amazing. amazing. So, yeah. Amazing. Definitely Spice Girls. I think they, they kicked off my love of music.
0: Oh, super. Great choice. Thank you very much, Anya. Thank it's you. been a
1: pleasure. Yeah, thanks Thank so you. much for coming on. Thank you. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with Theo, Eve and music by Pierre Flass.